It is a joy and a privilege and an honor to be here with you today. Uh, many of you I know, some of you I've never met. Um, the good news is I barely know anybody from here up. You know, you, uh, usually you have to have a little more information than that uh, to remember how everybody is. Thank you for singing. Uh, I want to say y'all are doing a great job um, with all that God has handed us. Uh, and he has handed us a big plate, hasn't he? He, he must think we're up to it. That's, that's, that's the way I comfort myself late at night. God does think we are up to it. I do believe that. Um, I'm going to tell you a joke to start off with um, about a taxi driver and a minister who end up at the pearly gates. And the taxi driver is wearing a loud shirt and sunglasses. Looks like he just came off the beach. Um, and he says... Uh, and, and St. Peter says to him, who are you that I may know if you can be admitted? He says, Joe Da Vinci, New York City cab driver. And so St. Peter says, here, take the silk robe and the golden staff and go in. And then he turns to the man who is dressed pretty much like a man of God, a minister, dressed very much like this today. Chase, and he says, my name is James Jones. I was rector of St. Mary's for 40 years. He said, James, take this cotton robe and this wooden staff and go in. James stops and he says, wait a minute. How come that guy got silk and gold and I get cotton and wood? St. Peter says, we work by results. While you preached, people slept. While he drove, people prayed. <laughs> now, that is a joke, true story, that Bishop Stow, God rest his soul, told me just before the service started at the parish where I was assigned to do my field work when I was just barely a deacon, the rector was on vacation and left me in charge that Sunday. I was supposed to meet the bishop and help him lead worship, which I was happy to do, and make everything turn out perfectly was her, was her uh, suggestion. I got there really early. Everything was going really well until the organist, our main musician, and music leader did not show up. The closer we got to the beginning, the more people came in, the more anxious I got. I started walking the floor. How can we start without music? And Bishop Stow was standing there, and he saw my anxiety, and he started telling me jokes to lighten the mood. And finally, he said, who cares? Who cares anyway? We can walk in without music. And of course, the musician finally came just before the gospel. And all was really well, went really well. He, you see, I was worried about my performance, and Bishop Stow was worried about my spirit. And I'll never forget it. Enter then the parable of the talents that we read today. It's a parable 
that never fails to make me wonder about my performance. Now, in the middle of this pandemic, I would argue that we are all wondering, what in the world are we doing? Are we doing what God wants us to? Are we doing what we're supposed to do? Whatever that is. What is God calling us to in entering this new ministry called Bishop? I'm really unsure about many things. One of the things I get to do, though, that would not have happened without COVID is I get to be on a Zoom call every Monday at noon with all the bishops of our church. And, you know, I get to see them in their face if they've got their camera on, which, which I've, I've noticed that about screen, it's five screens. I've noticed about screen three, everybody turns off their camera. Um, but I have this interesting last name, Curry. Okay, so I end up next to, yes, Michael, every Monday at noon. So, you know, he can take my name every Monday if he wants to. But I get to hear a lot of wisdom on that call. And there's a bishop of Utah that told us that he was not sure about what he was doing and he had many years of experience. He said, I feel like I'm not leading my diocese in the way that I'm supposed to. He said, I keep asking, what would Jesus do? And he said, and then it dawned on me, I don't have to ask, what would Jesus do? I can actually look in scripture and I can see what Jesus did. I can see what he did in hard times. I can see what he did when he was not sure. He said, I can look at that. And that was very comforting to me, so I offer that for you. We don't have to wonder what Jesus would do. We can read what Jesus did. In very hard times, Jesus prayed, and he reached out to love people that were on the edges. He trusted God, and he healed wherever he could, and he cared for strangers, especially those that might be overlooked, which is your instinct. It is, I can tell, because I looked in the kitchen. You're caring for people that might be overlooked, and that's what he calls us to do. He reached out to his friends. So I'm sure you've already done it. Think about those people that might not get anywhere, might not be able to get out, might not get a phone call. You can't make too many phone calls. This is like forcing us back to making phone calls instead of writing emails um, because we get hungry to hear a person's voice. At least that's what's happening to me. One famous preacher says that God created us in his own image to experience the kind of joy that God experiences. To accomplish that joy, God gave us power and the ability to do things, to make things happen. And he gave us freedom because a robot cannot experience joy. And he gave us a spirit like God's own spirit. That is a spirit that delights in doing things that both please the doer and also bless those that are being affected by the action. In other words, God made us to want joy and also to share joy. Our lives are given as gifts, not possessions, and that's the trap I always fall in. 
I think it all belongs to me and I get to work it out. And that's really, we're finding out that is not true. It doesn't. Our life is a gift. It's a gift given. This parable today really drives that point home. We do not engineer our births, and God is a responsible giver. As God is creator, we're given a life. We're asked to create and to use our power to make things and help things grow. At the end of our journey, God will want to know what we have done with what we have been given at the beginning. And just as the master in today's gospel leaves his servants to do what they will with their gifts, God backs away from us and he allows us to move on our own. After all, how would a baby learn to walk if we carried him everywhere? And we, some of us have tried until we got tired and we put him down. While God appears to be distant from us sometimes, maybe that distance is not abandonment, Maybe he is just simply saying, here's your chance to grow, to express the kind of love that I'm hoping you'll have, a love that grows deeper in you. Doesn't that sound like today's story? A rich man gives his property along with certain freedom and power and goes away, and the three stewards are like the master Get, or the three stewards are alike in that their master gave them everything they had, but they received different amounts. And in this, we're all alike. While each of us owes our life to God, we each have different capabilities and we also have different opportunities. And then that way, we're all different. The master isn't interested in the quantity that was given. Rather, he's interested in their willingness to be faithful and creative and fruitful with their opportunities. He wants to know, what have you done with what I have given you? Well, there's an old story that says when we come before the judgment seat of God, he won't ask us, why weren't you Abraham or why weren't you Moses? He'll ask us, why weren't you yourself? Did you do the best? that you could with what you had. <clears throat> and Bishop Stow used to say, when you get to heaven, St. Peter will have two questions. Number one will be, did you have fun? And number two will be, how well did you love? The third servant doesn't do anything with what he's given except protect it. The story says the servant did not trust the master. I knew you were a harsh man who knows what you would have done to me if I'd lost it. Here you have at least what is yours. I love the part where he says he's got, he could have at least invested it with the bankers. You can, tell, you can tell that that servant acted totally out of fear. Satan, Satan's best work happens whenever we respond completely out of fear. When we're convinced that God is cruel or hard or not trustworthy. A lot of bad things happen, and we believe that lie. Somebody said Jesus was God's answer to a bad reputation. Reconciliation happens to us when we let Jesus show us the Father, and we disprove that lie. Whenever I picture God fearfully instead of lovingly, I become less 
than what he intended. I treat my life like it's mine and I gotta make it all by myself. I live out of scarcity and not abundance, contrary to how God intends. God doesn't want to cast us into outer darkness. I don't believe that. Rather, that fate is meant to show us how important it is to see God's true nature and live accordingly. The psalmist tries to do it by telling us to remember the end of our days, to remember that our days are numbered. God loves us so much, he sent his son to die for us. That's totally inconsistent with being cast into outer darkness if we can't live up to God. Grace and works are connected, but they're not the same thing. Jesus said, it's not the Father's will that one of these little ones should be lost. He came to show us God is loving and compassionate, and by his grace, we have a chance to act out of love and not out of fear. Well, the pandemic, some say, and I think it's true, has been a really big reset button for the church. We have wondered about many things that we are now doing every Sunday. When we first decided to stop All Saints, was about to receive Bishop Stow for confirmation. And we had, I don't know, 30 people that were gonna be confirmed. We didn't even own a camera. We didn't know how to get that out to everyone. We couldn't have church, but Bishop Stow very much wanted to talk with everyone. So someone went to Best Buy and bought a camera and came back with it, and then someone else bought something else and came back with it, and now they're wired to the walls. They look like a television studio. That has happened in many, many churches where I have traveled across the diocese. There are many places where I've done an entire service in front of an iPhone, and it's worked just fine. You know, it hasn't been Hollywood production, uh, quality, but it has worked very well. And what we've noticed, and someone said, I'm really sorry your ordination had to be cut down to 27 people total in the building besides me. Well, 16,000 people in 28 countries watched online. Um, someone from Australia published pictures of the vestments that were created by Barbara Mitchell in their, in their journal. You know, things like that. The reach of Jesus went big. And I don't think 16,000 people could have gotten even in the advent. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so a lot of things have brought us lots of losses, lots of losses, and lots of opportunity. I was at St. Martin's on Thursday for the Feast of St. Martin's, and I saw all the folks there. First time I'd been in the building since March. All of them were in the living room, all spread out. They have not had one single case of COVID in that whole place because they've been careful so far. You know, cross your fingers. But they were so happy to see each other across you know, it's, it's like remembering I really did love that person. I had forgotten, and God's given me a chance to see it. I'm really proud of St. John's Decatur. You received a brand new 
rector who's never seen you completely uh, through uh, all seasons. And look how he's, he's just, he's done a great job. He's gotten right in the seat and started working with you. I think the same thing, Lucy. He's, he's just done a great job. You've got your choir here, and they sound wonderful, even though they have these funny face masks on, and we can't cut loose and really sing. But, man, can you imagine how Easter will be? If, if this vaccine, which I, my husband tells me every night it's all true, if it comes to pass the way it looks like it will, we will have, we will see things change and we will come out of this. And I bring not good advice, but good news. It's gonna, it's gonna be, we're gonna be on the other side of it. It's gonna take us a little bit to figure out what it has done to us. But I believe it has deepened the church in ways that were beyond our imagination. Um, before this happened. Um, and we'll, we'll build back the things that have been fragmented. We really will. I'm determined. But I'm really proud of you and all the people you're feeding and your beans and rice ministry and how your children and youth formation is going on, sometimes a little bit in person but online. Your clergy, your leaders have kept everything going. You're still a place of healing and love in the middle of a divided and difficult political season. This is still a place of love. And I depend on you and your stories of light. I give thanks to God for your faith. Our Lord God has given us much, and each of us has countless talents, and we're free and powerful, and we're delighted in sharing what we've been given we're called to offer ourselves, our souls and bodies to glory, to God's glory every day. And we can trust that his grace will help us let go and in spite of all this, live every day a little bit closer to joy. Amen.